When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With pregnancy come many physical changes. Many are obvious to the naked eye, such as your growing belly or skin changes. But what about internal changes in pregnancy? I'm Karen Ruby Brown, certified nurse midwife, and today we're discussing cervical changes during pregnancy. This is Preggy Pals. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant and I have to exercise? What, pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit! I've got cankles! What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms, and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your online, on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Stephanie Glover. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined the Preggy Pals Club. Our members get special episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. See our website for more information. Another way you can stay connected is by downloading our free Preggy Pals app, available in the Android, iTunes, and Windows marketplaces. Sunny, our producer, is now going to give us some information about our virtual panelist program. Hello, everyone. So if you're listening to today's show and you're not joining us here in the studio, you can still participate. We would love to hear your questions for our expert. Um, We would love for you just to kind of join the conversation and share your personal experience. So there's a couple different ways you can do that. You can like our Facebook page at uh, Preggy Pals. You can also follow us on Twitter, which is Preggy then underscore pals. And um, we're going to be kind of tweeting out some information and posting some stuff, some photos to Facebook as we go along through today's conversation. And uh, feel free to write us back to um, comment on some of the things that we'll be discussing. You can even make it into the show. We can read some of your comments in the show. If you are using Twitter, use hashtag PreggyPalsVP. That VP stands for Virtual Panelist. And if you want some more information about our Virtual Panelist program, you can visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Thank you, Sunny. Yes. So let's go around the table here, and I'm going to have the panelists introduce themselves. We have two Kristens in the room today, so I'm going to start with Kristen One. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Uh, My name is Kristen Pavon. I am 33 years old. My current job title is full-time stay-at-home mom. Definitely the hardest job I've ever had. (laughs) And I am not currently pregnant. I have two children. My daughter, Zoe, just turned three last week, and my son, Brady, is 10 and a half months old. And I had two vaginal births with both children, two inductions and two vaginal births. All right. My name is Michelle Ashley. I am 34. I am in the insurance industry. I am due on December 31st with my second son. They will be 20 months apart, so I have a toddler at home and um, delivered in a hospital vaginal birth. Hello, my name is Kristen Stratton. I am a birth and postpartum doula, and I'm also um, in the marketing industry. I'm the mother of three really super adorable children. Um, I have a four-year-old daughter and a two-and-a-half-year-old son and a 15-month-year-old son. And I had um, cesarean births, but I also went for a VBAC after two cesareans, so... 
Great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, so before we get started today, we're just going to be discussing an article that was just, um, that we just found online, and it discusses the... American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, which are referred to as ACOG, coming out um, regarding ultrasounds as means of dating the gestational age of the fetus. And essentially the article is saying that if a pregnant woman has received an an early term or like an early pregnancy ultrasound for dating purposes, if she receives an ultrasound later in pregnancy, it really shouldn't be used to change her due date. Um, so they're saying that if, if you've received an early one, um, ultrasounds kind of beyond 14 weeks aren't necessarily accurate or um, appropriate for changing the due date. And I know that Karen, being a midwife, can maybe speak to this a little bit. Sure. Uh, the earlier the ultrasound, the more the more accurate in terms of dating. So a first trimester ultrasound is always going to be more accurate than a second or third trimester ultrasound. In fact, in the third trimester can be off by a couple of weeks. And in the first trimester, you're within a few days. Okay. So it's um, just better practice and commonsensical to use those early ultrasounds. Okay. And did any of the panelists experience a later pregnancy ultrasound and th- maybe your care provider suggesting a different due date for you by chance or did anyone... We just, with number two, we went in a little bit later than normal, so I thought I was 10 weeks and ended up being past the 11-week mark. Oh, okay. So um, I was talking to Karen earlier because, you know, having a December baby right on the, the cusp of the new year, I'm <laughs> still a little anxious about if he's going to be uh, 2014 or 2015. So oh, that's true. it made, actually, I feel a little bit more confident than definitely we're looking more at a December baby here, <laughs> hopefully. I hear about this a lot, especially in the online community where anxious moms are always posting about um, their doctors doing a late trimester ultrasound and the concern being that baby's too big now and therefore are going to either schedule an induction or a recommended cesarean. Um, so I really think that this is a really good thing that ACOG has come out with. And also it's kind of on the heels of their prevention of the primary cesarean section paper. So I think hand in hand, And with that, it's not only going to be good advice for moms to have accurate dating and um, more accurate expectations of when baby's going to arrive, but it's also going to give moms more time to have pregnancy and and gestate their baby without the pressures of either having an unnecessary C-section or unnecessary induction. And we know, too, that those sizing sonograms at the end have such a you know, scale in terms of accuracy to begin with. It can be several pounds off. So, okay, great. Well, thank you for your input. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Today, we are learning all about cervical changes in pregnancy. Joining us as our expert panelist is Karen Ruby-Brown, a certified nurse midwife with extensive experience in a variety of birth settings, including hospital, birth center, and home. She received her midwifery training and Master of Science in Nursing at Yale University in 2002, has been with UCSD Midwifery Service since 2003, and most recently opened a solo practice called Airy Midwifery, offering home and birth center deliveries. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. Good to be here. Great. So let's start by quickly explaining what the cervix is. The cervix is actually part of the uterus. It's the part that we can feel with fingers and see with eyes. Um, it's the lower part that opens up and allows the baby to come out. It also allows menstrual blood to come out and allows sperm and semen and other things to go in and so great and can you describe a pre-pregnancy cervix pre-pregnancy the cervix is pretty firm uh it's pretty pretty firm tissue and it's generally closed it can be a little bit open depending on when yeah what time of um your menstrual cycle okay it is so it can be softer it can be a little open it can be firm but generally speaking it's essentially closed and essentially pretty firm it also can be in different places in the vaginal vault so sometimes you have to go looking for it okay (laughs) and in the beginning of pregnancy what changes occur to the cervix in the beginning of pregnancy it gets full of blood so uh, the vascularity increases by just i don't know the number but a ton so it gets blue and swollen and softer and what causes that the increased vascularity. So the uterus as an organ is saying, okay, we're about to grow a person here. Let's get some blood going. And so the increased vascularity is caused by hormone, like the hormonal shift? It's caused by mechanical and hormonal shifts. Great. And then what is the mucus plug and when does it form? (laughs) The vagina is a mucous membrane, Okay. right? Just like your mouth and your nose. And so mucus is always being produced by the cervix. And sometimes it's noticeable and sometimes it's not. During ovulation, you'll see mucus called skin bar- called spin bar- During ovulation, you'll see mucus called spin barkite, and that is it's kind of uh, kind of paving the way for the sperm to be able to travel easily up that that um, passageway. Um, and then in pregnancy, uh, the mucus plug, the mucus that's pr- uh, formed by the cervix, gets kind of hard and forms like a cork. Right. And so it's kind of sealing off the entry and exit way because you want what's in there to stay in and you want what's out to stay out. 
Gotcha. Do women lose the mucus plug throughout pregnancy, or is that generally during labor, or can it depend? Women can have increased mucus during pregnancy, especially towards the end of pregnancy. There can be a lot of excess mucus, and it can be coming from, there can be discharge, extra discharge coming from the vagina. It can be mucus coming from the cervix. But as you get closer to term and closer to birthing your baby, the cervix, which has had the job description of keeping what's in in and what's out out now kind of has a change in mo and so part of the process of preparing for that change in job description is to let that mucus cork go so it releases it and it can release it in one big handful (laughs) or it can release it in dribs and drabs so some women don't even notice their mucus plug coming out and some women are just astounded at what is in their hand when they just simply go and pee. So it can it can really run the gamut. And then through labor and birth, there's more mucus. So the mucus keeps getting produced. It's not like a all or nothing thing. It's not like the mucus plug is gone now, so there's no more mucus plug. Okay. It so keeps it regenerates. producing, it regenerates, yeah. Now for the panelists, did you guys experience losing your mucus plug or what did that kind of mean for you? <laughs> um, in my, this is Kristen Stratton, um, in my first pregnancy, um, I had my membrane swift, which is a whole different subject, so we won't (laughs) even go there. But I did notice the loss of my mucus plug shortly thereafter, and it was um, kind of like an egg yolk consistency, um, and it happened over the course of about 24 hours. So I was noticing a significant difference, and it was It definitely caught my attention, Um, but unfortunately, labor did not begin for another six days. So that was going to be buyer beware. (laughs) Buyer beware. That does not mean that labor is imminent. Gotcha. It means you're headed in the right direction, but it doesn't mean that you should put your suitcases in your car. Absolutely. Uh, this is Kristen Pavon. Um, you know, with, with each pregnancy, I didn't actually. Um, you know, there was nothing noticeable, n- no event. You know, I went in for my induction and then at the end I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no, no mucus event that no I was aware of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you, Michelle? Yeah, that's probably more my experience is maybe a little bit more discharge, but nothing that I would have definitively said. Yep, that's what that is. So. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I lost some of mine with my first around 35 or 36 weeks. And then with my second, I think it was maybe a week before I delivered, but it was just different. It wasn't as you know like gelatinous. It was just kind of in passing and didn't think too much of it. So it's really interesting to see the broad range. And how I different. like the term, the mucus event. So what does it mean when the cervix is dilated? The cervix dilates to let the baby out. And it just means that the bottom of the uterus, the exit door, is opening and essentially becoming a single passage with the vagina. So it becomes one large room. So for baby to fit. For baby to fit. (laughs) And, you know, the cervix can start softening and dilating well before labor starts, especially with with, uh, second or third or... 10th time moms, right? Um, when, when your body's done it before, the cervix can be a little bit softer and can be open uh, even as early as 35, 36 weeks. And it doesn't mean you're going to labor. It just means that you're a little bit open. So there are women, multiparous women, who can be three, four centimeters for weeks on end. Okay. And yeah. it doesn't even necessarily mean that, yeah, labor's 
happening nope. within. It can be quite frustrating for right. those moms, right? Because we think of dilation as an indication of where our body is in labor. But if you're not in labor and you're four centimeters, it can be frustrating. At that point, there won't be a mucus plug because the cervix is just too soft and open. So those moms might not notice the mucus plug at all. So then when we're speaking about labor progress and we hear so much about dilation, I almost feel like that's the most prevalent in terms of gauging what's going on with the cervix. Um, But there are also a lot of other changes that are prepping your cervix for labor. So one of the terms is ripening. So what is cervical ripening? What does that I mean? I love all the fruit metaphors. <laughs> the fruit, are they metaphors or analogies? Um, y- you know, the size <laughs> of the uterus is a, a lemon and then an orange and then a grape. Right. Um, ripening just means it's getting soft. So it is like fruit. When you have a hard nectarine, it's hard to eat, right? And it's, it's, it's firm, it's hard, it's not indentable. When you have a ripe nectarine, it's indentable, and you know it's ready to eat. And same with the cervix. It's just, it, when it's hard, it's not ready to open. And when it's soft, that's an indication that body's moving towards having the baby. It has to soften, which is ripening. It has to efface, which is shortening. And it has to dilate, which is opening. And all of those things need to happen. First time moms, it happens usually sequentially, right? It'll get softer and then it'll get shorter and then it'll get more open. And with second, third, tenth time moms, it's kind of a big free for all. It just all right. happens at once. Surprise. A lot of the time. Yep. And I've heard something about is it like feeling the tip of your nose versus your lip? Or was it something like that? In yeah. Terms of what so, it, the cervix feels like. Yeah. Do you, do you guys know that? So an unripe cervix is like your nose, uh, a ripe cervix is like. Um, your lips and a really ripe cervix is like the inside of your mouth. And when I was learning to do cervical exams, I was told to feel for the shaving cream in the whipped cream. Like that's the kind of textural difference you're looking for. That's how soft a cervix can be. It can be really hard to, when you're first learning, to identify a ripe, ready-to-go cervix. Very subtle texture changes. Great. Well, when we come back, we'll discuss cervical changes in relation to labor. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Today we're discussing cervical changes in pregnancy and labor. Karen Ruby Brown, certified nurse midwife, is our expert. What is posterior cervix versus an anterior cervix? If you imagine the uterus is just kind of hanging out in Okay, let's let's try this. Imagine a balloon in a paper bag. Right? And the paper bag has some air in it, so it's rectangle it's not a squished paper bag and then the balloon is kind of hanging out in there the balloon can kind of flop towards the back or flop towards the front or go straight up and down depending on kind of how big it is how much air is in it Um, and if you imagine the little air hole of the of the balloon depending on how that balloon is facing in the paper bag um, imagine that little, the, the, where you blow the air into it as the cervix. That can be towards the front of the paper bag or towards the back of the paper bag or towards one of the sides. Okay. Does that work for people? Yeah. I just completely made that up as we were <laughs> doing this. Um, so, so what that means is that, so c- keeping that image in mind, when a clinician goes in to do a cervical check, they might have to reach really far back to feel the cervix or the cervix might be under the pubic bone, so really far in front. It can be off to one of the sides or it can be right in the middle. And what happens in labor is that as the, um, as the cervix is dilating, as the, the muscles of the uterus are pulling up on the lower uterine segment and pulling that cervix open, and as the head is pressing against the cervix, 
uh, it's all going to kind of line up so it's in line with the vagina. So we talk about posterior cervixes as not quite in labor cervixes. And we talk about anterior cervixes as, I should say, cervices is probably the more correct term, um, as kind of ready to let the baby come out because it's forming one big room, right? The vagina and the uterus. It's all that sliding door, right? If you think of the cervix as the sliding door, it's gone. Okay. And are there ways other than, you mentioned the the internal exam using your hands or your fingers to determine the state of the cervix is are there other ways to be able to um, I guess notice the cervical changes can you tell in an ultrasound are there other physical symptoms that would lead you to believe that the cervix is changing yeah ultrasound is used for uh, preterm labor checks so if someone uh, is having some signs of preterm labor an ultrasound might be done to look at the length of the cervix because it can it's nice and long earlier in the pregnancy it can be up to five or even more centimeters long and then as you're getting closer to labor it gets to about two and a half centimeters long and then shorter and shorter and shorter until it's not long at all so there are um, ways to tell what the cervix is doing. So talking specifically about labor progress, um, behavioral cues can, can, can help to identify what part of labor someone is in. And I've also heard, and as a doula, I'm sure you can speak to this, about the purple line. Yes. Can you explain that the to us? The purple line of dilation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when women are laboring, they're generally unclothed, right? women don't like clothes on during labor. And so we have great opportunity to observe the area of the tailbone and the rectum and the and the, per, uh, the perineum. And what happens, um, and you can notice it more in fairer-skinned women, um, there is a, a line that you can see extending uh, from the rectum up uh, around the tailbone and the coccyx. And the longer that line is, the greater the dilation. And how does that line form? Is it from pressure of the baby? or? I mean, my, my, my guess is that it's simple as the baby's head is so low that it's pushing on the that curve of the tailbone and the, the, the sacrum and the coccyx, and that's putting pressure on that skin because we basically have a seam that runs through the center of our bodies all the way around, right? The linea negra forms along that seam. And some people, you can really see that seam. You can see it on the perineum. Uh, so I think it's that tissue just getting stretched. And the lower the baby and, and uh, the, the fewer layers of tissue in between the baby's head and the outside skin, the more you're going to just see outside visual changes. So interesting. I've never used it to actually, quote unquote, diagnose dilation right. Right, or, or, or stage of labor. But it is a really interesting thing. And there's this very interesting thing that I have tried in labor where there's a texture change in the uh, lower abdomen um, that you can actually feel the juncture of the lower uterine segment and the, um, the fundus, the, the, the body of, of um, the uterus. And, and if, you're, if you can kind of get in tune with your fingers, the number of centimeters up from the pubic bone supposedly correlates with uh, dilation. But I haven't done a scientific experiment. It's just one of those cool little things that we can play with in labor. Well, and it's so common. I mean, I know that there's a bit of controversy even with a lot of cervical checks Mm -hmm. during labor. Um, So what are the reasons that you might want to have fewer cervical checks? Risk of infection. So risk of infection, especially if the water bag is broken, you don't have that protective layer 
surrounding the baby and protecting the baby. So the more checks you do, the more bacteria, even with sterile gloves, you're dragging bacteria in, the more bacteria you're dragging in, and you can increase that risk. The other thing is... Who likes cervical checks? They're not something that, you know, women do ask for them because they want to know. They want to know where they are. They need to wrap their mind around where they are. But but they're not generally very enjoyable for women no. in labor. You're they're so sensitive, too, and you feel everything. Yeah, yeah. And even just having to lie still, having right. to lie on your back. So those are just basic reasons. And I would say, too, even like you said, I think sometimes women, if, if we want to control a situation, and so we want to kind of know what are those those markers, where am I in this process? But then if you've heard, well, you're still at a certain dilation, that can be really disheartening. And so did anyone here have experience with feeling like they were maybe stalled? You know, if you've heard that term before. I definitely was. I mean, with both inductions, um, when I went in, I was about three centimeters dilated um, and uh, did an entire round of Pitocin, was on the max dose and hadn't changed at all Um, and wasn't feeling any pain. Uh, My water had not broken yet at that point. Um, so, um, it was frustrating because they did check me periodically. It was about over the course of about 12 hours and, you know, you're in a bed hooked up to everything. And, um, you know, they kept saying nothing's changing. And then my doctor came in and broke my water. And then at that point things progressed pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, it was about 12 hours with e- with each child actually. Yeah. And that's, and you know, yeah, just that's 12 hours get in your head of- like, well, what's next? Or, you know, why yeah. isn't this working? Or how about either of well, in my own experience as a laboring mom, um, having been at one centimeter for 21 hours, um, I definitely know that frustration. Um, as a doula, I, when my, my clients choose to have a vaginal exam, it can sometimes be very uh, reassuring and joyful to know that progress is being made, mm-hmm. but it can also be twofold. It can be disheartening. It can be frustrating. Um, but sometimes it does give us good information. Sometimes it gives us information that maybe baby's not engaged in cervix or maybe mom's having some fear or some sort of emotional response that is not allowing her to relax and just let her body do what it needs to do. Um, So it's also a very um, important thing for us to realize that there is a mind-body connection to the cervix, and I'm sure Karen can speak to that as a midwife as well. Um, So that's something to uh, consider as well, because when we go in for um, exams during uh, prenatal appointments and we consent to vaginal exams, sometimes we get set ourselves up for a failure because our body's not working. It's We're not dilated. We're not doing that. And so-and-so was dilated at 37 weeks at three centimeters and I'm still high and tight. <laughs> and, you know, and it doesn't mean that your body's not doing what it's meant to do. It's just, it's different. So um, I think women should be really kind to themselves when it comes to dilation because um, their bodies were made to have babies and I think it's the greatest exercise in patience it is <laughs> it is and faith and so and so is parenting for that right. matter just setting you up for the next 18 30 forever years, years. Yeah. <laughs> and then I know we had a, a separate episode on cervical scar tissue and I know that that can actually prevent some dilation at certain points in pregnancy Karen can you speak to that at all or what are some ways to work around cervical scar tissue briefly Yeah. um, So if someone's had a LEAP procedure, which is uh, surgical removal of part of the cervix for uh, abnormal cells, uh, there can be some some scar tissue formed. And it's like, imagine a purse string with a fishing line through it. It can just be really, really hard, fibrous stuff. And it just won't open no matter how much you're 
your your dilate your uh, contracting rather and so sometimes you just need a clinician to go in there and just massage it out just get rid of it and so that's uh, sometimes it's discovered in labor oh there's scar tissue have you had a procedure yes I mean ideally we know this beforehand but sometimes we don't oh yes I had a this right just massage it out it's uh it's not comfortable but it can it can lead to labor which is what we want, right? What we're there for. That's right. (laughs) Well, thank you, Karen, for joining us today. For more information about Karen Ruby Brown, as well as information on any of our panelists, visit the episode page on our website. This conversation continues for members of the Preggy Pals Club. After the show, Karen's going to be discussing what an incompetent cervix is. To join our club, visit our website, newmommymedia.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Preggy Pals, before we wrap up today's show, we have an important message to pass along, and it's a message about giving. Here in the U.S., most of us are blessed to have many amenities at our disposal, including basics such as water and sanitation services. But there are countries around the world who aren't as fortunate. Joining us today on the phone is Serena Pravasi. She's the CEO of Water Aid America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So not having safe water is a crisis situation in many countries. And, and we have heard this before. We do hear about other countries where they don't have enough water or various resources. But what I really like about your organization is it seems to focus more on mothers and their children and families in general. So can you tell us a little bit more about that problem and how it impacts families in other countries? Sure. Lack of water sanitation affects everybody. But women and children really pay a much higher price for the carry the burden of not having this. Women are responsible in most countries for collecting water, often in very dangerous conditions, walking long distances, miles upon miles on a daily basis, just to collect enough water that their families use in a day. So it's a daily struggle and drudgery and and takes a lot of time. Kids as well, kids suffer disproportionately from water-related diseases. And the numbers are really horrifying. 500,000 children die every year from diarrhea that is completely preventable and is caused by unsafe water and poor sanitation, particularly also for girls, school children, as well as girls. Just like women are responsible for collecting water in many countries, often that starts quite young when when they're girls. And in schools as well, schools that don't have water and safe toilets and The basics, you know, you can't expect children to stay in school and really be learning when they're sick from the unsafe water or when they are in school and they're thirsty, they don't have water to drink. So it really, it touches upon the lives of infants, children, women, mothers, particularly. Tell us a little bit more about Water Aid America and what you guys are doing to help with this situation. Sure. Water Aid focuses on providing safe water, sanitation, including safe toilets, which is something that a lot of people don't think about, but is a, is a very basic human need, um, and hygiene practices, something as basic as hand washing with soap can really save lives. 
and uh, and WaterAid does this in an integrated way, combining water, sanitation, and hygiene for the best impact on people's lives and the best outcomes. So girls can stay in school, that women can free up hours of time that they could start a business or do farming or do something else rather than spending hours and hours collecting water. So we work with local governments, we work with communities, we work with private sector and businesses to make a change that is much bigger than our organization. Um, at the same time, our, our direct work has reached millions of people. And water and sanitation, investing in water and sanitation is one of the best investments people can make because it's a, it, you get a huge return. So for investing in something as basic as water and sanitation, you get a return on in the benefits of education, the benefits of health, the benefits of, of economic benefits of people starting small businesses. So, um, yeah, the benefits are really, really multiple. There are studies and there's evidence that shows that every dollar you invest in water and sanitation has returns, economic returns, many times. So for sanitation, it's something like $7 for return for every dollar you invest. So these are very good investments to make. Absolutely. If you think about giving as an investment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you mentioned giving. So today is Giving Tuesday. And for those of you who don't know what Giving Tuesday is, it's a time during the holiday season that's dedicated to giving back. And today, you guys are actually matching donations today? We're very lucky. We have some special donors who are matching up to $150,000. So every every dollar that we receive today on Giving Tuesday is doubled. That is awesome. So how can we help out the other 364 days of the year? If people are listening to this and it's not Giving Tuesday and they, they still want to help, how can they do that? Well, the first thing to do is to visit our website, wateraid.org. There are a lot of resources, information. There's a very easy donate link. <laughs> we always like that. <laughs> we, you know, it's the donations that really keep us going that, that allow us to support communities all over the world. But there are also other ways to get involved. There's, there's, you can volunteer, you can spread, help us spread the message about water and sanitation. And, um, and really, the website is the first place to start, wateraid.org. All right. Well, Serena, thanks so much for being with us today and for helping to make our world a better place. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Priggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Parent Savers for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, Twin Talks for parents of multiples, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.